This week on Off the Crossbar, OT Magic and OT Heroes. We've got a serious case of the Mondays. John Lovell is out. NLL TV and New Lion impress. Three refs, not so much. And then there were only four. All this week on OTCB. in the National Lacrosse League. One game playoffs are so much fun. And we were treated to two spectacular lacrosse games. What is going on, lacrosse fan? My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on NLL Radio. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can. You can email me at Off the Crossbar. That's the Twitter handle. Or you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. I got a chance to hear from Chuck Jaffe, the play-by-play voice of the New England Black Wolves, talking about his conversation that he had with Nick Sakavich last week and commenting on how he was wondering how come I didn't mention the conversation they had about expanding rosters. Kind of talked about that a bit in my 30-second shot clock, and I'll, I might try to elaborate on it a little bit more. Essentially, um, Jaffe asked the commissioner, you know, with expansion, do you see expanding the rosters? And it was a conversation I had with Mike Board when we were talking about the situation Toronto was going through with um, all the injuries and now having more players on the roster. What are teams going to do? What do the governors want? Um, and... You know, they've been at 16 runners for a few years now. And I agree with with Chuck Jaffe that if they do start expanding this league, I think they need to go back to 18 runners or have more players on the active roster uh, than just four more guys. So um, we'll wait and see how that plays out. But uh, always good to hear from Chuck. He had a great call with Randy Fraser and got to see an absolutely fantastic lacrosse game at the casino. Equally as fantastic was the game at the Pepsi Center on Saturday, 24 hours later. And let's be honest. If you're going to have one game playoffs, 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 I always do that. Um, If you're going to have one game playoffs, isn't OT the best way for fans to have things end? Neutral fans, that is. Home team fans that, or teams fans that lose. Fans of teams that lose. That's what I want to say. Fans of teams that lose in overtime um, aren't exactly thrilled about it. But man, like two great games that were back and forth all night long. Friday night, the biggest lead of the game was three goals. And that was when Georgia went on a bit of a run there at the end of the third quarter. In the Colorado game, there was no lead bigger than two all night long. And all four goalies played really, really well. Um, 
the game Saturday night was just an absolute duel between Mike Poulin and Dylan Ward. Uh, not to take anything away from the performances of Brody McDonald and Evan Kirk the night before, but man, in that Colorado game, um, Poulin makes 56 saves on 66 shots. Dylan Ward made 58, or sorry, 47 saves on 58 shots. And the the New England Georgia game ended fairly quickly into overtime, less than a minute. Whereas they played over 10 minutes of overtime in Colorado. For those doing the math at home, that's a minigame, essentially. They played a minigame. We might get that in two weeks' time. Let's hope not. I I don't know. I'm going to have to revisit this whole minigame thing. I, I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. It's, it's like it's it's an overtime period essentially, but hopefully as this league grows, so we all want it to be. Um, I'm okay with that first round division semifinals being a one gamer, just because it. Look what we got, right? I get it, but division finals and the finals, I'd love to see best two of three. Um, but our league's not there right now. But hopefully. Down the road, when we expand, it will be. But wow, overtime, twice. Like, when you watch that New England-Georgia game and you saw Sean Evans playing, who will join us here in a little bit, as will Curtis Dixon. Um, you just watched and you're like, okay, someone's going to blow this game open. And it's exactly how I felt about the Colorado game is it was just back and forth so close. All four defenses and goalies were fantastic. And you just you just had the sinking sensation that one of the teams was just going to say, okay, enough's enough. We're going to take control. But it never happened. And that just led to two fantastic lacrosse games. And we had two overtime heroes in Sean Evans and Dane Doby. And, you know, they were both different goals. The The New England winner was a power play goal. And for all, you know, the people at home and fans, especially Georgia fans, it was a penalty. Um, it's, it's a tough call to make. It's a really tough call to make, especially in overtime, especially in sudden death one game OT playoffs. But... Kudos to the referee for making that call. He held him. He grabbed him by the back of the jersey and pulled the guy down. It was a penalty. And Sean Evans didn't waste any time at all as he scored the goal just uh, 25 seconds later. Man advantage, Black Wolves. The swarm handled Fed that in front to well. Kyle Buchanan, can't get it on net. Evans has it, 10 on the shot clock. To Crowley, to Evans, and he wins it! Short side. Sean Evans wins the game, and the Black Wolves advance to play Buffalo. A heartbreaking loss for the Georgia Swarm, who without who were without their head coach, Eddie Como, for the second straight week, and, and we wish Eddie um, a speedy recovery from a real just freak accident. 
um, and just wasn't able to make it to the game. He had surgery. His leg was uh, in a brace. So we hope Eddie is back um, and getting better. But you know what? You know, they battled through adversity to the Swarm, and they had to rise above. And, you know, this is a team, and I said it after the game, this is a team that, and this is a big if, big if, if John Arlotta can keep this team together for once. It's not something he's been known to do, but if he can allow Eddie Como to stick with this team. I I don't know how you don't bring Eddie Como back. He'll bring Eddie Como back. But if you can keep King and Jackson and Matisse and Paulus and the Thompsons and Stats and keep that offense there and hold on to McIntosh and the group you have playing defensively, like that's a good maturing group on the back end. I would like to see them go out and find a backup goalie. No disrespect, Mr. Higgins. Um, But to have Brody and one more, I think, might give them a bit of an added boost. And if he can allow this team to grow and mature together, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the future. Unfortunately, it's not their time right now. But I would expect the Swarm to be in at least the same position this year or next year as they were this year. At least. The East is going to be something fierce next year, let me tell you. Because Rochester and Toronto are going to be pissed that they missed the playoffs. And they are going to come back next year with vengeance and furious anger and will do everything in their powers to not miss the playoffs, which is going to make that race for the top three even more spicy. So New England now goes on to face the Buffalo Bandits in a Monday night game. Originally, it was supposed to be Tuesday night, which was announced on the broadcast and at the arena. And I didn't hear it at first. And I had people texting me and, and sending me message on Twitter and Facebook and everything else. They're like, Tuesday? Tuesday? What, what are they doing playing on a Tuesday? Well, first off, the Mohegan Sun Casino Event Center, the arena there, is jam-packed. Jam-packed. Kenny Chesney is in for Friday and Saturday night. I can guarantee you that Ryan Banesh would have been at that concert had they maybe played like Thursday. Um, But Kenny Chesney's there Friday and Saturday. Def Leppard with Ario Speedwagon? What? Really? They're there on Sunday. And then the next night, Buffalo, New England, 7 p.m. Eastern. On a Monday. Um, If it was Tuesday, we were going to have some issues. Um, I talked to uh, a couple people on both sides of the fence of this game. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who are teachers and guys that are students who are in finals. 
And everybody else who has a regular nine to five job, you know, you bank all this time all year so that you can miss, you know, 18 Fridays or Saturdays or Fridays, maybe Thursdays. You're not expected to have to book a late season Monday off and a Tuesday. And if they would have played Tuesday, you probably would have had to book a Wednesday off as well. So they've moved it back a day to Monday which helps because, you know, now you're only really missing one day. I talked with uh, Steve Dietrich, the GM of the Bandits, and they're leaving first thing Tuesday morning so that guys can get back to work. But a Monday night game. Who knows? I've said this before. I've said it when the league has played Sundays, and I've said this when the league has played Thursdays. If this league is ever going to grow, we're not going to be able to just play on weekends. We're going to have to play midweek games. You know, that's eventually going to lead to guys being full-time lacrosse players, which is awesome. But I never would have expected a Monday playoff game in the NLL. Unconfirmed reports um, were that the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, had an arena tentatively booked. Um, I reached out to him, got no response. Um, it was news to Rich Lisk, the GM of the Black Wolves, but there was a rumor circulating that an arena was tentatively booked in case this happened, and the rumor would then go on to say that New England turned it down, and they wanted it to be at home, and they wanted to play in front of their fans, and they didn't want to go to a neutral site, and they didn't want Buffalo to host both games, which is also another rumor. Um and they wanted to play at home. So here we are. We're playing a Monday game, and that means that we'll have uh, five days off before game two. It's a quick turnaround, but that's life. Uh, One of the guys that will be playing in that game was the overtime hero of Friday night's game for the New England Black Wolves. He is a father of three girls, including twins. He is the 2015 NLL MVP, one of the front runners for the 2016 award as well. He is the interim captain of the New England Black Wolves, none other than Sean Evans. Evie, how are you, buddy? Good, how you doing, bud? Good, man. How's things? Oh, just trying to get the kids all fed here now. <laughs> Stop <laughs> lying, baby. <laughs> I was going to ask you, What's uh what's more challenging you think raising three Evans boys or raising three Evans girls? You know what good question. Right now I'd say raising <laughs> three Evans girls. Yeah, I bet. Especially with two are twins. Where, where the boys are thinking is, hey, get outside and time to go do something. <laughs> how how are you enjoying uh twin life? Uh, it's good. It's really good. You know, uh, yeah. they pretty much they occupy each other, and uh, you know they keep each other busy. But it, it is at times uh, when they get sick and they're grumpy and they're miserable. Of course, yeah. uh, di- different times, right? Yeah, no doubt. I can only imagine. I can only oh, it gets, imagine. It gets, cha- it gets challenging there, especially when I got yeah. back from this weekend after that game. Both of them were sick with uh, fevers, and oh. my wife has had enough. Yeah, here, Sean, you take them. I'm done. Exactly what it was. <laughs> um, it, it was a, a pretty challenging weekend for you guys, but uh, a great result. Absolutely. It was uh, 
definitely uh, an emotional weekend. Uh, basically, you know, um, I didn't know if I was ready to play yet. Um, you know, I got cleared the last day there after shoot-around just to see how I was feeling. And, and uh, you know, I didn't get any headaches or anything. So, you know, like the doctor cleared me to play, yeah. which, was, which was positive. And basically just how the game went. You know, uh, George is a good team. Um, basically back and forth action, you know, I knew it got a little scary there when they scored four goals within like a minute 30 there, um, to end the third quarter where mm-hmm. we were leading the whole game and we're up by three and, you know, we were hoping to capitalize on that and have a good lead going into the fourth. And next, you know, it, they score four straight goals and now we're down going yeah. into the fourth. So there's definitely, uh, you know, definitely some highs and lows to the game. And, you know, when stuff, when that stuff happens, you see it kind of, uh, you know, on the on the bench as well. You know, guys. You know, kind of like, uh oh, mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know um, feeling. But uh, you know what? It was it was a long long game, and uh, you know we uh, we had some big um, individual efforts from uh, a few players, and you know uh, especially you know Kevin Buchanan scoring two goals right in the first um, pretty much thirty three seconds of the fourth quarter were, mm-hmm. were huge for us. You know, Kevin Crowley. You know what? He was he was the man all game. You know, he he took the ball in that hard. You know, the the guy couldn't be stopped, and you know he buried four goals. As a leader, what do you say? And a guy that's been through some really long and hard battles in this league, as a leader and the captain of your club, what do you say to your guys on the bench? Uh, you know, just before overtime, when you guys are realizing, okay, you know what, it's going to be a next goal win kind of situation. What's the message to your guys? Just just keep playing. You know, um, you've been in these. I've been in these games a lot. You know, anything can happen. One shot wins the game, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just keep playing and, and keep your heads up and play hard, and uh, and basically hope hope it, hope it goes that way. And uh, you know, the, uh, you gotta you gotta admit, you know, Kirky stopped about four or five shots to uh, you know let us go to overtime, and I think he stopped one in overtime to let us get possession to have an opportunity to win the game. And uh, Kevin Crowley went hard to the net, drew a penalty, and uh, it gave us an opportunity to um, capitalize on it, and we did. How big has Kirky been for you guys? Because, you know, a lot of people are talking, you know, goal of the year for him, and, and he's had a real breakout season. But what have you liked most about his play this year? Uh, consistently, consistent. You know, yeah. he's been consistent all year. Um, he's been making the stops that we need. to that we need, um, and, and it's huge. Um, as an offensive, you know, we just keep telling ourselves to, you know, keep going. Uh, you know, we know what we can control up here, so we've got to, you know, hope the defense and the goaltending is uh, consistent back there, and and they have been. You know, mm-hmm. when they're uh, when they're shutting them, uh, teams down and and not uh, letting those goals in that kind of are deflating goals. Um, you know, it gives us more uh, more chances uh, on the offense to you know get up by a couple goals or or keep pushing to you know stay in the game. I'm not sure people understand the uh, how important that deflating goal can be, or you know, not important, but how hard that deflating goal can be for a team when, you know, you have the momentum and then a, a goal goes in and heads start to hang. What's the most important thing for a team that when momentum isn't going your way to, to find a way to get it back in your favor? Well, yeah, you know, like those deflating goals could be, you know, anything from you being up a couple of goals and, and working hard to get those goals. And, mm-hmm. and basically, you know, they take an outside shot with one second on the shot clock and have to squeak one in or go off a stick and, and find the back of the net where, yeah. you know, cuts the lead. And But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's, it's the highs and lows of the cross game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when that stuff happens, you got to try to control somehow, you know, either slow the pace down or, or open you capitalize on your opportunities when you get the net. Because sometimes when it's going that way in a game, it, it continues to go that way. So, you know, you have to limit it on the offensive, uh, 
type of things that kind of stay in reach of the of winning a game. You know, you know, you don't want to be going down by two or three or four after some of those goals go in. So yeah. you just you're trying to keep yourself in reach. So um, at the end of the games, it's either one goal game or a tie game where you give your team a position to win. Your defense has stepped up big for you guys, but not just on the defensive end, but in transition. And they're running the ball really well, which helps your offense. And the guys that are running this floor for you guys continue to impress, don't they? Oh, absolutely. You know, you got Sheldon Burns. You know, I think he's, you know, I think he had about, I don't know, 10, 12 goals this year mm-hmm. on transition. And, uh, you know, you got Rannigan running the ball up there. He's one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, he's a horse back there. Um, you know, the guys are doing their jobs. You know, we've been preaching all uh, all year long. Of doing our jobs, and and you can even talk about Brett Manning, like you know, Sussy, yeah. like guys like that. Everyone's doing their part that you know to take the win, and uh, you know they're coming up with big loose balls, big stops, you know, getting the ball up the floor, and uh, and giving to the offense to you know do our job. But when you get big goals um, from the defense like that, of you know, th- those are the ones that you know kind of pump you up because you know it, from the offensive side you don't have to go out there and and take a beating. You know, yeah. you, you got a goal from the defense and. And now you can worry about the next shift of trying to, you know, gain a two-goal lead or a three-goal lead. Mm-hmm. How important have you seen in the the development of some of these defenders under the tutelage of Clarkey and Beltman? How is the what? Like, how, how have you noticed, like, have you noticed the, the growth of some of those back-end guys learning from Beltman and Clark? Well, absolutely. I think uh, the knowledge back there is, is unbelievable. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had a chance to – you know, play against both those guys, um, you know, not so much Beltman, but had a chance to, you know, watch him growing up and yeah. see um, kind of what he did on the floor. And he was a smart player, smart ball player. And, uh, you know, and he knows the game inside and out. And then, uh, you know, Clark, he's got the, you know, the grit and the, and the, and the shortcuts to kind of, you know, to power, power those guys to what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they just get them prepared and, and ready and, uh, and and it, and it's showing. It's uh, it's great to see those two guys back there and uh, how much uh, how much will they have to win to, you know, kind of push the push the guys to the next level. The Black Wolves have, have are starting to grow some momentum in that fan base, and we're seeing more and more fans turn out. It's going to be an interesting situation on a Monday night there. But as a player, how do you prepare for a night where you normally aren't playing lacrosse? Uh. When we're not playing? Yeah, well, no, like like Monday, you're not usually playing the game on Monday night. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now you have to kind of change the mindset to, to you know, Sunday is usually the day that we're all traveling or, or resting, and now it's actually you're, you're traveling to a destination to play Monday night. How hard is that going to be to sort of switch gears, you think? Uh, you know, it's definitely it's definitely different. But, you know, and I always keep the same mindset. You know, this is, mm-hmm. the, this is the league we play in. You know, you have to be, you know – Fans, fans don't care what it is. They want your yeah. best every time you step on the floor. Absolutely. You know, they don't want. You know, I don't want to use excuses. I don't want my uh, teammates using excuses. Yeah. You know, when you show up for a game, you should be ready to play and and at all costs. It takes to make your team win, and and do your job. So yeah. you know what it is. It is different. You know, people have jobs, but uh, right now this is kind of crunch time, and uh, we need, we need everybody ready and focused. And uh, you know, you, you know, if you got to take a day off work, take a day off work. But uh, it is difficult for some people who have jobs that you know you, you know you can't really take work off or it, it's tough. But uh, I don't know, it's just one of those things that you know you gotta be ready for. You know you know you know if you lose you're not gonna you're gonna hear excuses or you don't want to mm-hmm. hear excuses. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that uh, I always take with me. 
you know, like I remember someone saying it before to me is that, you know what, the fans don't care of what it is or the fans don't care if you're hurt. You know what, they want to see the team perform and, and you know, they pay the money for you to perform. So, you know what, you've got to be ready at all costs and uh, the team should be ready and I think we'll be focused and ready to go. It's a, a great rivalry you guys have built with, with Buffalo this year and it kind of all stems back to Buffalo Philly. It kind of leaks in there. But what do you think is going to be the key for you guys Monday night and in, in game one of the East Final? Uh, you know, Buffalo's, Buffalo's a good team. You know, we've had, uh, you know, challenges against them all year. Um, you know, they're a physical team, but uh, you know what? It's a, it's a new, it's a new game. We're in playoffs now and uh, you know, guys got to be ready. Um, you know, we, we just got to become ready to play. I mean, we got to do our job. You know, uh, the coaching staff has been preaching all year to, you know, to do your job, you know, don't, don't try to do anything ordinary. Don't try to do more, you know, just do your job. And, uh, that's what we're trying to focus on, and if we can do that, I think we'll be successful. Do you feel uh, added pressure? Or do you feel um, a, a rivalry between you and Dane that the kind of media builds up? You know, is is it is it a personal thing where you're like, I, I got to beat him, sort of one on one, or is it strictly team stuff for you? It's strictly team stuff for me. You know, I, I never get caught up in that stuff. You know, that, that's just the player I am. You mm-hmm. know what? When your team's doing good, you know you're going to be doing good. So, um, you know, when when the team's doing well, it's happy, it's contagious, you know, everyone's having a good time. You know, I've been on times when you're, you're losing and the team's losing, you know, you have a lot of guys that point fingers, a lot of excuses, you know, a lot of you know, It's always good to be on a, on the team side of things and everyone having a good time and, uh, you know, and reaching that end goal that, uh, you know, everyone's uh, hosting that championship cup up. You know, you got a lot of people talking about, you know, the Dane, Sean, stuff like that but uh yeah. you know it, it is what it is you know Dane had a great season ball was going in the net for him you know their team was doing well and uh you know what it's all you ask for as a player is to go out there and, and do your job and, and hope good things are going to happen and you know what uh and all props to him he did a good job this year and right now we're just focused on the that was a regular season and now we're just yeah. focused on playoffs <laughs> did you ever think that someone would come close to 130 so quick I, I, I didn't think it was going to happen in the first year. <laughs> <laughs> You'd like to hold on to that record for a bit, eh? <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, it was uh, it's something, it's sports, right? You've yeah. seen a lot of things happen in the, in sports, and uh, it's just one of those things. You know, you had a breakout season, and yeah. with the way the league's going, I imagine, uh, you know, you had, what, 10, 11 guys in, on our point seasons? Uh, seven. Seven hundred pointers, and there was a couple within, like, three or four more. Yeah, so you can just think that's the most there's ever been, has it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely it is, yeah. Yeah, so you see a lot more uh, a lot more goals, a lot more stuff happening. So, you know, it just shows how, how good this league's getting. And, uh, you know, if you see the fan base of what's going on here, you know, we played in Buffalo last weekend and we had 19,000 fans. Yeah. You know, we see our fan base growing in New England. We've got about 5,500 5, 5, fans mm-hmm. in the last two games, so... You know, it's growing everywhere, and it's and exci- it's exciting to see. It's, it's exciting to see the league grow. Do you have a favorite player to watch in the league right now? To watch in the league right now? Yeah. Um, I was always a fan of uh, John Tavares watching John Tavares play. Yeah, of so, course. So, uh, yeah. you know, like he, he's not playing this year, but, you know, just how it smarts and, uh, you know, what he does on and off the floor, it's, uh, you know, it's fun to watch. And I always just take a little bit of kind of everything, you know, kind of good things that players do. But uh, I don't know. I'd say I'm a fan of Curtis Dixon. Yeah. You know, he's had a great year. He's fun to watch. Uh, he's a powerhouse, and you know what? He can put the ball in the net. So, you know, he's uh, he's a great player to watch. Did you get a chance to watch that Colorado Calgary game? 
I did. I did. Yeah. It was, uh, that was another exciting game. And, <laughs> you know, as finally, you know, I don't really get time to, uh, to sit and watch games because we're usually playing. So to yeah. actually sit down and get to see a game, uh, you know, it was thrilling. It was, it was fun to watch, and it was exciting right down to uh, the last minute. Well, your guys' game was, was thrilling and exciting in the last minute as well. Shawnee, I know you got uh, some girls to take care of and, and, a, and a voice to rest. So I uh, thank you uh, for giving us some time. And uh, enjoy a few days off, and good luck on Monday. Thanks, Daddy. Appreciate it, bud. There is Sean Evans of the New England Black Wolves, who had himself a, a pretty decent game by Sean Evans' standards. He had four goals and two assists, including that overtime winner, Kevin Crowley, the big cat, with eight points on the night. Uh, he was second star. Evan Kirk was third star with the aforementioned 53 saves. But, um, you know, you, you heard Evie talk about just the play of Kevin Crowley and the the play of Kyle and Kevin Buchanan. And this offense, you know, we didn't really, he didn't really touch on Pat Saunders, who was quiet with three assists, but Pat Saunders had a breakout year. Everybody in that offense, and then he threw in Jordan Hall, you know, playing with Sean Evans, everybody just flourished. And that was incredible for that offense to perform the way they did. And when you get a guy like Sean Evans leading your offense, uh, everybody just kind of follows in line and wants to go through the wall because they know that Evie's going to do that for them. But it's not just other, not just their offense. Um, that, that back end, he, he talked about the speed out of the back end in transition, starting with guys um, like Sheldon Burns and John Rannigan and Sudsy and Stephen Hoare, Ryan Hotelling, even big Bill O'Brien, um, you know, is contributing when he can. It's just a team that plays... Steady, hard-nosed lacrosse. They're a product of their coaching staff. Uh, everybody's bought in. And they're now on their way to the East Final. You know, I, I talked about it with Shawnee there a bit and said, you know, this is Buffalo-Philly. But imagine if it was Buffalo-Philly. How crazy would that be if this was, like, late 90s Buffalo-Philly? Whew. What a series that would be. The New England-Georgia game was on the new look NLLTV.com, and I have to say uh, it was great. Um, This was, I I brought this up with, I think it was Andrew McBride when I was on him with Roughnecks Radio on Saturday. And I said the the one thing that, and I said this in my 30-second shot clock last week as well, I said the one thing that, you know, people want is good quality streams. Now it wasn't HD, you know, it wasn't, you know, high high quality HD, um, and it was still the jumbotron feed, but there weren't any drops. Uh, I didn't have to refresh my browser. Uh, you know, it was seamless and smooth, and I think that was the one thing that New Lion brought to the table was, you know, conversely from what Fox Sports did, there weren't those drops. I don't know why. It was happening on Fox Sports Go. Um, It was never happening when I'd watch on uh, the TSN Go site. It it just seemed that something with Fox Sports, I don't know if it's just because they had so many different things going on um, or they couldn't handle the bandwidth of a lacrosse game. Who knows? I don't know that answer. But the ease of New Line to use, and you know what my favorite, two things. My two favorite parts about the New Line feed, one, I could pause, rewind, and fast forward. Like, I'm a junkie for watching games, and uh, 
in the moment, it's like, you know, having a PVR at home. You see something, you want to pause it, or, you know, you, you got to go have a phone call or, you know, run to answer the door for Domino's because they're here. Um, you know, you want to pause it so you don't miss any action. And you can do that. You can do the little 10-second rewind if you miss something and you want to go back and check something out or, like, you know, did that ref make the right call? Get into that in a minute. Um, but having the ability to pause, rewind, fast forward just made me so happy. Like, I, I, I don't know if I can really relate to how happy that made it sounds so weird, but it as soon as I saw the fast forward and rewind buttons, I was like, oh my gosh. And I pressed it. And I was like, okay, I've pressed pause. Now, normally, when I would press unpause, it would jump to wherever we were in the game. Not this time. And I was so happy. Like, so happy. So happy. Um, the other thing that I really liked about New Line is that now the games are archived. And it's something that fans have been wanting all year long is to be able to go back and watch games that they maybe not have seen live or they wanted to go back and watch things. So that's great. The only thing I didn't like is, and I think this is a distribution rights thing, is that the Georgia-New England game's there, but the Colorado-Calgary game's not. Luckily for me, it's on my PVR. Um, but that might be something that the league needs to figure out moving down the road, is if a game is on TV, how do they get the archive feed to the NLLTV.com site? But... You know, I was skeptical. Um, it was seamless. It had nice little added features. And the games were archived. So, so far so good for NLLTV.com. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And it was easy to use. So that's a bonus. Moving forward will be the bigger questions of whether it'll be a pay-for service, um, whether it'll be a subscription package, and, and what else needs to be done to continually get this game out to the masses. I talked about the three refs. Saturday night, I think the referees did a better job. Friday night, not so much. And for those that maybe didn't notice or if you didn't see the games um, or were unaware, uh, in the National Lacrosse League playoffs, they moved to a three-referee system. It's a bit of like a floating triangle uh, akin to what they do in the NBA. Um, there's no real, you know, there is a head ref, but everyone just kind of floats um, to have a best viewpoint of seeing the floor in their area. And it's just kind of a little floating triangle. And I love the system. I love having three refs on the floor because it holds guys accountable um, and it takes the pressure off the referees. They don't always have to be so minutely focused on one aspect of, you know, where's the ball? And one guy's watched that. One guy has to watch the benches. Like, you can allow your eyes to see more of the floor when there's more refs. But when there's more refs, you got to make sure you're getting the calls right. And there was, I think, two or three incidences, incidents at least of just blatantly missed calls the biggest one was 
when Evans got hit from behind into the boards. One referee is, and I took a screen cap of it and posted it on Twitter, one referee is literally staring at it from across the floor. You know, he's a bit of a way, but he's literally staring right at it and can see it because I can see it. And he watches the Georgia defender hit Evans from behind into the boards. No call. What makes it worse? They showed the replay before they went to commercial break. And the other ref, or one of the other refs, is seven feet away on the same side of the ball, standing against the boards, watching it. Regardless if it's one of the best players in the game. Because, A, we should be doing a better job of protecting our stars. I'll say it. Needs to happen. On both sides of the ball. Because there's offensive stars and defensive stars, goaltender stars. We have to protect our athletes and our players. But when it's the the reigning MVP and he gets hit from behind into the boards and a guy coming off uh, a possible concussion from the week before on a call that wasn't called, and it happens in front of three refs and two of them are looking right at it, something needs to be done. And, you know, I've talked to a few people and they would like to see referees held more accountable. All referees, from veterans to rookies, everyone should be held to the same standards, just like all of the players are. And the Friday night refereeing, while I said they made the right call in the overtime, because they did, there were a lot of calls that were missed. Um, I think it was Derek Suddens. I think it was Sudsy. Hit Randy Stotts from behind. And it was it was Derek Suddens. Um, with about seven under seven minutes to play in the game, it's a dead ball, and Suns hits Randy Stats, and Stats goes through the open gate. Now, first of all, it's in the change boxes, and I know this isn't Canadian summer lacrosse, and the rules are different, because in Canadian summer ball, that's gone. You're out. First period. Last period, overtime championship game, doesn't matter. You hit a guy into the boards in that change box, see you later. Done. Well, Suddens hit Randy Stats from behind into the open gate, and all he got was two minutes. I believe it was Randy Fraser on the call said that it was a bit of a dive. I don't buy it because, first of all, no one's just going to dive into an open gate. That's just stupid. It was a hit from behind. It was a back check into the boards, which is a major. It's a dangerous play in the change box. And it wasn't, it was only given a two minute dead ball contact from behind into the boards, into an open gate. We have to start protecting our players. And I don't care. If you, like, the first shift, you start handing out five in games and tens and whatever. We have to be consistent. From first whistle to last, first game to last. It has to be better. Has to be. The next night, Saturday night, I thought the referees did a great job. 
Sure, you know, referees are going to miss calls. I get that. But major things like hitting a guy from behind into the boards or into an open gate, I don't buy it. I don't buy not seeing it or or working around the rules. Saturday night, the referees did a great job. And Andrew McBride went out, and I think it was late in the game, the third or fourth quarter, referee made a call, and Bryder was like, oh, I don't like that call. You can't call that now. I'm like, but he called it in the first quarter. And the one thing, and he said it on his show, I've said it on my show, and he said it as a player as we both did. All coaches and players and fans, for that matter, want is consistency across the board. So if you're going to call it the first shift, you got to call it the last shift. And the refs did that Saturday night. Friday night, not so much. So, it'll be interesting to see. Um, if I I don't think there'll be any repercussions from the league. Uh, uh, for the referees, I know there has been. I know some guys who um, are good referees and aren't getting assignments. Sometimes it's for missed calls. Sometimes it's for not making the right call. And yet there are guys who have consistently missed calls and had to have the league make statements about some of their plays or have gone back and issued further repercussions on players, suspensions, majors, game misconducts, whatever it may be, and those guys are still refing. So, we'll figure that out. Um, the other game, as we just kind of touched on it, the Colorado-Calgary game. In so many ways, wow. Like, big wow, seven straight playoff victories for Calgary over Colorado. We talked about the goaltenders. Um, Jeremy Noble was a man possessed for the Mammoth. And in a game where John Grant had zero goals, in a game where Callum Crawford had zero goals, you know, they needed somebody to step up. Jeremy did that. Adam Jones did that. They were the only two guys on that club with multiple goals. They both scored four. Wardle scored one. And Capito scored one. Nothing from Junior. Nothing from Crawford. Nothing from Eli. It was a great game. But when it comes down to it, if you have to... And I, I'm not really, um, especially when a team loses in overtime, I don't like to kick a team while they're down. Because that's, and I said this, that's a crushing defeat for Colorado. You know, they started the year 10-2. and two, They finished it 4-4. Four and four. They, had the, they had first in their grasp and let it slip. And as it slipped, Calgary loomed. And when Calgary walked into that arena, you know, it could have gone either way. It's an overtime game. I'm not saying, like, Calgary walked in and was like, this is ours. We're out of here. Like, that was a heck of a lacrosse game. But in those types of games, you need those guys to step up and score. Like, three assists each for Junior and Callum Crawford. It's not going to cut it. It's unfortunate. You know, and I, there's a lot of people all over Junior. You know, he took... 23 shots and had no goals and like get off the guy's back 
The guy is a legend, and he was doing all that he could to help his team win. The guy got three assists. Like, yeah, he didn't score, and I'm pointing out that he didn't score, but it's not like he was throwing the game away. He had 15 shots on net. He's trying. He just couldn't solve Mike Poulin. He's often had Poo's number, especially in overtime. How many times has Junior scored the winner in OT in Calgary-Colorado games? Regular season. But I don't think this is a Colorado team that needs to be blown up. Uh, there's obviously going to be some turnover. Who knows if Junior comes back? Uh, that's going to be you know, probably the biggest question of the offseason is what they do with Junior um, or what Junior does for himself. It'll be interesting. That that'll be you know that that's the Tavares watch of 2016. Is what's Junior going to do in the offseason? You know the guy wants to come back and compete, but you could just see as the year went on, he just kind of you know he'd have his ups and downs and his highs and lows as we all do. But the guy's 41. He turns 42 in November. Um, he's running Valor Lax. He, he's got a lot on his plate. He's a two-time MVP, a six-time first-team All-Pro. In the rookie of the year in 2000. Like, the guy is a legend. And yeah, it sucks that he didn't have any goals and this team lost. I, but I don't like people seeing piling on Junior like that. Like, I've, Junior and I go way back to my first year in the league, and, and I'm always going to go to bat for the guy. And, you know, he's had his demons and he's had his good moments and his bad moments. But I don't think this is a bad moment for John Grant Jr. It's a tough moment. It's a really hard moment. It's not a bad moment. It busted his ass all year. Look at the game uh, a couple weeks ago when Adam Jones wasn't there. And he was doing all that he could to help lift his team to the victory. Like, that's junior. You take the good and the bad. But he had way more good than bad this year. However... Um, this game went down to the wire, and Colorado had it in their grasp. Had it in their grasp. And then, well, he had been doing it to him most of the game. Curtis Dixon just continues to defy logic, to just mystify the mind with some of the things that he does. He had nine points on the night, and his last two points were two of the biggest, and one of them, Sent us to overtime. Shatler looking back for Dixon. He's the guy. Oh, my goodness. He did it. Oh, my goodness gracious. They call him Superman. And he's a superhero right now for Calgary. I mean, there wasn't much for Curtis Dixon there. And he's going to join us in a minute. I'm going to ask him what kind of an angle he had. Um... But you just, did anyone else have a sinking feeling that he was going to score there? Because I sure did. And, you know, it was just heartbreaking. Like, it's like the Simpsons episode where Ralph Wiggum takes Lisa on a Valentine's date and she rips his heart out and Bart pauses and says, Here, Lisa, right here is where you can see his heart completely ripping. Like, that's what it felt when Dixon scored that goal for me. And I was like, oh, no, they're going 
going to overtime again. And I remember I was talking with somebody and they're like, you know, does it weigh on the guys' minds that they're 0-6 against Calgary in the playoffs? I was like, no, I, you know, they'll know, everyone knows the stats, but it's not like they're going, oh, no, we're 0-6, we're destined to lose. Like, that was never an idea. But when it gets to overtime and Dixon scores that goal, now doubt starts to creep in. Now all those flashbacks of games lost in the past start to replay in your mind. But how good was overtime? Right? Like 10 minutes of back and forth nonstop. I thought to myself, are, are they going to give these guys a break? Like, they didn't take any of them. They just said, whistle in, play ball. Next goal wins. We're not stopping. We're just going to keep going. And did they ever? Dylan Ward made five saves in overtime. Mike Poulin made eight saves in overtime. And they were just going back and forth and back and forth. Dylan Ward made, like, I think two back-to-back saves on Calgary, and then they went down the other way. Colorado had the ball. Then Poulin made a glove save, and then he made a wicked kick save. Like, they laid it on the line in that overtime period. And it was like, you know, I, I got that NHL playoff sinking feeling. Like, like double overtime? Is this going to happen? Like, is this game just going to keep going? Because it could have. It could have. But it didn't. Curtis Dixon slowly making his way. Makes a bounce pass across. Shatler, handoff, shot, score. And Calgary wins. Doby, the game winning goal for the Calgary Roughnecks. And once again, the Mammoth find themselves in the playoffs losing to the Calgary Roughnecks. I had to edit that clip. Because, and I don't know who it was. I don't know if it was um, somebody on the Mammoth bench that had um, a voice really close to John Gallant between the benches. Um, I don't know if it was a fan near a live microphone. But it was, and I'm paraphrasing, every bleeping year. And it just, it was just so, not poetic, but just so bang on. It's like, it's just heartbreak not just for the pa- the fans but or for the players but the fans as well cuz the fans have to go through this agony too and i just can't imagine what that's got to be like like i'm an oilers fan and go through a lot of agony as an oilers fan but they're not good and they're not making the playoffs so like i can't imagine what mammoth fans are like and what's going through their heads they can understand their anger and their frustration, but man, that's got to suck. But you can't hang your heads. You know, it stings. It's going to sit with this club for a while. But there are a lot of positives to build off in that locker room. The year Callum Crawford had was just ridiculous. He'll be back. Joey Cupido is one of the best two-way guys in the league. Elon McLaughlin's starting to come to his own. Dylan Ward is a goalie of the year candidate. Dan Coates, his first year as captain, spot on, buddy. Like, Coatesy rose to the occasion 
and really evolved as a leader because John Grant decided to step back, take a less of a captain's leadership role and, and just be a leader but didn't need the seat. Um, Jeremy Noble, Jordan Gillies, Holding, Hope, Wardle was a surprise free agent signing. Uh, Jonesy's going to be Jonesy. Uh, Ilya Geich had one of his best years that he'd had uh, in recent memory. Uh, the addition of Mike Mallory and Josh Sullivan. like Steve Govett did an incredible job building pieces to get this team to the next level. And they were right there. Like, everything's forgotten. Like, John Grant going and Callum Crawford each going 0-3, no goals and a loss. All that gets forgotten if somebody from Colorado scores in overtime. Anybody, really. But unfortunately, that's the way sports goes. And in one-game finals, sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And Man, I feel for Colorado and that fan base. But this has been a flagship for this league since they came in. And they'll be fine. You know, they'll pick up some pieces. They'll retool. Govett's the master of the free agent wire. So they'll be okay. Um, quick note before we get to Curtis Dixon. Um, imagine, just for a moment, and I know I said I love these semifinal games being a one-off series, just because look at the drama that it gave us. But imagine those four teams playing in a best of three or a five or a seven series. How good would that be? Like, look at the the drama that's going in the NHL playoffs right now. How many of those series, other than the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are already have already advanced, but all those other series are going six and seven games. That's what you want to see. That's the beauty of these playoff series. And one games are awesome, but now I'm excited for, you know, the East and West finals and then the best two out of three finals. It's just going to be awesome. Awesome. The Kaga Roughnecks, with their win, now get to play their longtime provincial rivals, new prairie rivals, the Saskatchewan Rush. So joining us on the show now is the man who had nine points against Colorado and the goal that sent them to overtime, Curtis Dixon. Now, uh, Curtis, I tried to get John Harnett on the show, but he big-timed me. Classic John. Classic John. He said he didn't have time for me, and he was too busy being a superstar, so I had to probably talk to you. I'm sure he's got a lot going on right now. (laughs) Uh, That was a pretty boring game Saturday night between you and Colorado. Oh, man. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, what is it with you two teams when it comes to playoff games of just having absolute instant classics? Well, <laughs> I mean, when you see a team literally every single year in the playoffs yeah. and, you know, three times during the uh, the regular season, you, you kind of get acquainted with each other pretty well. So, um, you know what, every every game, whether it's regular season or playoffs, there was some crazy stat I read during the season that was – like eight of ten or some stupid games of ours have gone to overtime. So yeah, it's uh you know the games are always exciting. It's just obviously put on that next level when you get into the playoffs. So it's, everyone's able to see it and kind of enjoy the the rivalry that we've built. And then when you guys go to the playoffs, you guys have had their number, which is just insane. Seven straight. 
playoff wins over them. And it's just, it's been every kind of victory. It's been overtimes. It's been four goal games. It's been defensive battles. It's just something special when Colorado and Calgary get to play each other. And it's, you know, you say it's stupid, but as a fan, I think it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it is. It's a lot of, those games are always fun. And um, obviously we'd rather have the four goal games than the, mm-hmm. the overtime games. But um, fortunately we've been on the proper side of the, uh, the playoff games against those guys for, you know, a number of years now, but um, that's nothing, no knock against them. You know, they're a yeah. great team, and they're just looking to get over that hump, and fortunately we've been able to, you know, pull out those pull out those close wins and the, and the big wins in the playoffs when it matters. How much room did you have in that last goal? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I think I think he might have guessed a bit, so there was there – was, a decent amount of room. I was it was kind of around a screen too, so I don't know if Wardo yeah. saw the whole saw it the whole way. So I had um I had you know the the left side there was pretty open, so I uh, <laughs> had to make a decent shot, but it wasn't like I picked the corner. Or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're kind of like Reese Dutch when you go into and a lot of you know elite superstar players when you go into Colorado and that environment there, you just find another gear. Is it something special about playing Colorado, or you just you just like the big time games? Yeah, um, any obviously the big time games you want you want to be the guy you want to have the ball on your stick and and be able to say you know you kind of put your team on your back and mm-hmm. help you will will them to win. So um, anytime you have an opportunity to do that, you want to. But especially in Colorado, obviously they have you know one of their some of the best fan bases in the league and mm-hmm. um, they're always fired up, especially for playoffs. So it was a great atmosphere there on Saturday, like it like it always is. And um, you know the, you know their fans are always chirping and they they obviously remember the past few years when we've knocked them out of the playoffs, so they were hungry to, to get it, and, um, and like I said, fortunately, we were able to, you know, pull another win, so um, kind of put the dagger in their hearts for, for another year. Mikey Poulin played a pretty good game. He uh, was absolutely fantastic in overtime, especially, but he, he's starting to find a, another year. Yeah, he was unbelievable, and that's, you know, this is the goalie that everyone knows he's, he's capable of being, and um, if not for him, we wouldn't have even been in a close game. Yeah. I would have Kind of ran away with it, so he was making some saves that he shouldn't have made out there. And uh, hats off to Wardo too, though he played yeah. outstanding. I think they both had 50 plus saves that game, so they were both uh, playing out of their minds. And um, that could have easily been a, a 20 to 19 game. So those guys, uh, both hats off to them. But no, like you said, Pooley was unbelievable. Some of the defense, I think they did a, obviously a great job too. Anytime you can hold a team like that to 10 goals, um, you know you're doing your job. And um, offensively. Um, I don't think we were terrible, but like I said, yeah. Wardo, Wardo stood on his head for a bit there and, and made also made some saves that he probably shouldn't have. So it's uh, like I said, hats off to those guys for for an outstanding performance. Dane Doby had missed a couple games uh, with an injury, and he came back, and, and you could tell that he was laboring a little bit. But his fiery competitiveness is isn't matched by too many, and to see him score that game winner and the look on his face when the overtime ball went in the net was you had to have been happy for a guy like that. For sure, for sure. No one I've never seen a competitor like Dane Dolby. He's uh, that guy will play through anything. And uh, he was sitting out last week. He could, you know, he was disappointed. It was more of a maintenance thing, but mm-hmm. uh, one of those things you don't want to, you know, push it and, and make it worse. So it was, uh, you know, he had to be talked to a few, a number of people to to keep him out of last week's uh, Toronto game. But um, you know, it was obviously good for him to to get the rest in. But um, you know, he's a he's a heart and soul guy. You know, you look to him for for leadership and to lead by example and mm-hmm. um you know a big time player step up in big moments and even if he wasn't having the, the best game of his of a season 
Um, you know, you can count on him to, to show up in those moments when you know everybody else is gassed and yeah. um, maybe running out of fuel. You know, Dove is he's got that extra gear, even though it might not look like he does, but <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he finds it from somewhere. And you know, he's um, you know one of the best, if not the best, shooters in the game. And um, thankfully, he put one in there. It's it's a different kind of gear because it's not an extra gear where he's going to catch Capito. It's it's a gear it's a gear where he he kind of like drops it into a lower gear and just trucks through guys and he's probably one of the best guys out of the bench in transition. Yeah, for sure. There's no one from the bench in Calgary on the short bench there. He's yeah. from the from the bench to the crease. There might not be a faster guy in lacrosse. Yeah. But um, if you go much further than that, <laughs> I think you might start to yeah, you might struggle a little bit, die out uh, a bit. But yeah. Um. One guy that's really impressed a lot of people and everybody kind of expected him to was the play of Westberg. And it took him a, a few games just to, to really find the flow of the NLL style lacrosse. But how impressed have you been to see a rookie of his caliber step in and contribute right away? Yeah. I mean, we all, like you said, everyone knew what he's capable of, what, what he's done at uh, you know, every level that he's played at, whether it's junior or um, out in the, at school at the NCAA or playing in the world championships with us in Denver. He's, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's excelled. Everywhere he's been, so we knew he was gonna be a big contributor, big contributor to to our team. And uh, like you said, it, it took him a, a few games, but I mean, pretty much every guy coming into the league needs to get their feet wet and, and yeah. play a couple games before they kind of get the feel for it. So he um, he's been huge for us this year with with me and Digger on the on the right side there. We found some some really good chemistry, especially over the last half of the season here. And um, you know, going forward, he's uh, he's gonna be a premier player in this league and. I think that last game in Toronto there's kind of showed what he's capable of. And yeah. um, as long as he gets the ball and stick, and if he wants to get to the net, I don't think there's many guys that can stop him with his, his skill set and his speed and his strength. So once he kind of, you know, figures out, you know, his uh, his capabilities, he's going to be a very dangerous player. Uh, I asked Sean Evans this. Uh, how surprised were you that Dane broke his record in the first year? Uh, I was pretty shocked. And yeah. obviously, I mean, once the kind of halfway mark of the season hit, you knew he was going to do it because he had like 100 points in the first 10 games or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, no, that was, you know, so seeing what Evie did last year and being on the team and watching him do it, it was a, it was a pretty special feat. And, um, you know, you didn't think it was going to be any touched for, yeah. for a little while at least. And then to see Dane do what he did this year was was pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal. And obviously even Evie, if he would have yeah. played, you know, the last two games there, he would have been, you know, probably right up there with him. So he is—he was—he uh, was just as good this year. But um, even you know, Dan scoring 72 goals—that was—that was probably the record that I yeah. didn't think would ever get broken. Yeah. And you know, hats hats off to Nuge for doing that in 16 games. That was no doubt, um, right? Pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> unbelievable. But um, even Dane being able to do that in 18 games was pretty special. It—it's it, unfortunate that his 72 kind of overshadows your 61. But what does it mean to you to you know to be an elite? Um, state of of being one of the only four guys to ever score more than sixty goals in thirty years of pro lacrosse. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like you said, it's it's too bad I did it in the same year the guy broke the record. And <laughs> yeah, put seventy two up, but um, no, that's pretty cool. And um, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but that's a it's a, obviously a testament to the guys around me. They mm-hmm. they uh, they had a lot to do with that record. You know, you don't score goals on your own. There's yeah. there's guys setting you up and, and finding you open in the open spots and. Lucky enough, I was able to put a bunch in this year. But, um, no, that's to be able to, you know, have your name next to a guy like Gary Gates, obviously pretty special and um, something you'll know I'll be able to look back on at the end of my career and and be proud of. 
So moving forward, it's a home date with the Rush this weekend in Game 1 of the West Finals. Uh, it's a great rivalry you guys have. It, you know, it, it dates back to Edmonton and Calgary. There's still that hatred there between the two clubs. What are you expecting uh, in the opening game of the Finals? Yeah, we uh, well, this is the third year in a row we're seeing these guys yeah. in, the, in the Western Final, and uh, we see them four times every every regular season. So I've um, you know you pretty much know everybody and um, know what they're eating for breakfast and lunch and yeah. and their pregame routines. And um, you know when you see guys this many times in a season, it's just you know it's about being being prepared and, and being ready. And uh, we know what they bring to the table. Obviously, they're a, a fantastic organization and they're playing well right now. And um, that's kind of what it comes down to is, is playing, playing good lacrosse down the stretch and into the playoffs. And I think both teams are doing that. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. And like, like I said, the last two years have come down to the mini game and, uh, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to, to see this year be the same. Would you like to see the league move away from that mini game in the, in, in, in all playoff series? I know they moved away from it in the finals to go to a full best of three. Uh, would you like to see it away from the, the division finals as well? Yeah, I mean, obviously, ideally, you'd like the best of three, but I don't know if um, it works. If it will work quite quite mm-hmm. yet in our league, anyways, just yeah. with the way the, the arena availability and all that stuff goes. So I think it's the mini game is better than the one and done, as I'm yeah. sure Colorado fans will agree with as well. Um, but it's uh, like I said, it's not ideal, it's not perfect, but I think it's it is still a step in the right direction. So hopefully, one day we'll be able to you know do true best of three or or whatever else throughout the playoffs, but mm-hmm. until then, I guess we'll have to, to deal with this and this is the way it is what it is. Yeah, I'll ask you a very, you know, obvious question, but how important is winning game one? Yeah, for sure. You never want to, you know, find yourself in the must-win situation in game two there. So, especially being on home floor, we know what it's like to go play in, Sas- in, in Saskatchewan there with, uh, you know, the way they're they're selling out that building and their, uh, the fan support they're getting. So, we want to make sure... We want to, you know, get that first game in in front of our home crowd, and uh, we know the dome's going to be packed, so we're going to have their full support. And um, like you said, it'll be it'll be important to get that first win. Uh, another question I asked Sean Evans: uh, Who's your favorite player to watch in the league right now? Favorite player? You know what? I I'll probably go with Shawnee. Yeah. Uh, getting to kind of sit back and watch him play. Haven't played with him for the last four years, and and summer ball as well. So getting to you know sit back and. And watch him play. He's, uh, he's, you know, I, I'd hate to play against him. When mm. we did play against him, it was I couldn't even imagine what it's like for the D guys to to have to go against him. As annoying as he is, and mm. how big of a pest that he is, and as how yeah. good as he is. So he's, uh, but he's a lot. He's he's a guy that's a lot of fun. And obviously, you know, watching a guy like Dane Smith, he's yeah. so smooth and um, just you know, he makes it look so easy. So either of those two guys, I think, obviously, a lot of fun. Um, before I let you go, uh, word came out that uh, you're going back to the borough for another summer. Uh, you enjoyed your time there last year, didn't you? I did. I did, yeah. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, Peterborough, I know I'll be biased just because I was there, but I think it's probably the best place to play summer lacrosse as, as far as, you know, fan support and, mm-hmm. and the way the community gets behind the team. And, um, you know, having a you know chance to play at the Memorial Center there is, is a, you know, kind of a once-in-a-lifetime summer lacrosse experience um, the way they, they sell the building out pretty much every home game and yeah. um, like I said you walk around town and you know you get recognized and you know your lacrosse team's a pretty big deal there so it was a pretty cool experience and um, not, not, not a terribly difficult decision for me to make to go back <laughs> yeah well it's uh, you got a few more days here before a big game 
against the Saskatchewan Rush. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic series. Uh, thanks for giving us some time. Best of luck, my friend. Beauty. Thanks, Teddy. Appreciate it, pal. Superman Curtis Dixon joining us from Calgary on the phone. Thank you to him, and thanks to Sean Evans uh, as well. Uh, funny that they both say they enjoy watching the other play. Um, they built a fantastic chemistry while in Calgary together, and they've taken their show on the road to Peterborough and um, created a bit of a dynamic there. They were fantastic in the Man Cup, uh, following a couple wins short against the Victoria Shamrocks, and they hope to get back to the Man Cup this year, um, which they'll be one of the favorites, as they often are. Uh, rumors were kind of rumbling. Um, I think it was Mike Davis, uh, the great Peterborough Laker uh, writer from the Peterborough Examiner, who wrote that uh, John Grant Jr. is actually maybe thinking about one more kick of the can uh, with the Lakers. And just imagine John Grant, Curtis Dixon, and Sean Evans all on the floor together. That would be something special. Uh, we haven't done the man of the week this week, so we might as well do it now. Go ahead and tell everybody I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. When you have eight points in a playoff game, you've usually done a pretty good job. And that's exactly what Kevin Crowley did this past Friday night for the New England Black Wolves. He's been steady Eddie all year long, working a great two-man game with Sean Evans, plus working nicely with Kyle Buchanan. But what the Big Cat brings is size, leadership, and a deft touch. But more so... And why he's the man this week is he comes up and provides in big situation. Case in point, of his eight points that he had, six of them were on the last six goals the Black Wolves scored. That's right. Crowley had a point on every New England goal from the third quarter on. Just think about that. They had eight goals in the first half. They had six in the third, fourth, and overtime. And he was in on all of them. When you need big players to step up and lead, they do that. Sean Evans did it incredibly well, especially with everything revolving around his injury from the week before. But Kevin Crowley was there every step of the way. He played in every game this year for the Black Wolves. He had a career year. 90 points. His best output since 2014 when he had 75 points with the Wings. I think he likes playing with us this organization. And in a playoff game, which he hasn't seen too many of in his National Lacrosse League career, he was fantastic. Four goals, four assists, including setting up the game winner by Sean Evans. Kevin Crowley is the man. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man. I'm the man. One last uh, news of note in the National Lacrosse League, and this happened uh, just before I came to the studio on Tuesday afternoon. Um, last week, Jamie Dowick was interviewed by Neil Stevens for the A-Game blog, 
And I mentioned it, that interview, in my 30-second shot clock. And in the interview, um, it's quoted Dowick as saying, um, I'm not going to make a coaching change. Well, it turns out that that quote was taken out of context. And essentially, Jamie Dowick said, I'm not going to make a coaching change, mostly because I haven't talked to my coach. Well, it now appears that he has talked to his coach. And the news came out Tuesday afternoon that, unfortunately... John Lovell will not be back as the head coach of the Toronto Rock. Now, this opens up a few windows. What's going to happen with this team moving forward? And I've talked about this all year long about this club. And without a head coach, and with even Dowick saying he would like to see John stick with this team as part of the future of the Rock in another capacity, who knows what that means. But now you're without a head coach. And with all kind of signs pointing that Colin Doyle will most likely retire and that Sean Evans is most likely going to retire, that's two guys who have been in this organization for the better part of two decades and are going to be a part of this organization for many more decades. And here is what I would do, and I've said this before on the show and in my articles. I would make Colin Doyle either the offensive coach or your head coach. Now that they don't have a head coach, the latter seems kind of more possible. And then I would let Josh Sanderson be the general manager. This isn't a slight on Jamie Dowick. Jamie and I have a great working relationship. We talk quite frequently, and he's done a very good job but I would just like to see him let Josh run this and that will allow Jamie to focus on the other workings of being an owner of this lacrosse team because there's got to be a ton on his plate every day of you know working with contracts and uh, facilities and practices and flights and all the other things that go around. I don't even know what's on his to-do list daily. But if he can alleviate some of that pressure and delegate some of those duties, I think it would just help his sanity a little bit. And so, that's what I would like to see. I would like to see Colin Doyle take over the head coach. I would like to see Josh Sanderson come in and be the general manager. And this team can move forward. Um, they're going to have the number two overall pick. Um, he's probably not trading it, especially to Vancouver. Well, maybe not especially to Vancouver, but um, he, he asked me, he said, you weren't serious about that trade you said in your article about us trading the second-round pick for Jordan Durston and Wagner, were you? Well, not really. I wasn't. It was just making conversation. And at the same time, showing sort of what Vancouver doesn't really have to trade for picks to get first picks. Now, Toronto has a first-round pick, and they're going to use that pick, and they're going to use it wisely. And maybe he will shop it. He, you know what? He'd be, he wouldn't be doing his job as a general manager if he wasn't listening to all options. And he does that. He did it at the trade deadline. We talked. He said, my phone's been off the hook. I've been talking to everybody. But nothing caught his eye. And with the like of Challen Rogers and Mike Messenger, Ryan Keenan is available. He's the son of 
Rush head coach Derek Keenan. Um, so there's you know a, a lot to be said for that number two overall pick. And if Toronto keeps it, they are going to get a fantastic player. If they trade it, they're going to get fantastic players because you don't trade number two and not get anything back for it. So it will be interesting to see um, the offseason that The Rock have. Uh, I didn't expect this news to come so quickly, um, but it did. And so now The Rock can kind of move forward with their offseason and and Jamie Dowick can go about scouting, trying to find a coach, um, and whatever else is on his summer to-do list. I know he's going to Vegas for uh, the World Series of Poker, as he often does, and that's just awesome. I think we all need little getaways like that, and that's just something that he's uh, always enjoyed and and does, and he reps the rock flag, and he's had some marginal success there, I guess. Um, so we wish him the best of luck uh, down at that, and hopefully, let's hope. Can you imagine if Jamie Dowick made the November 9? Like, just think about that. Like, if you're not a poker guy and you don't know the November 9, it's basically the biggest poker tournament in the world. It's the World Series of Poker. And they have a field of, like, I don't know, a few thousand that I'll pay uh, a few more thousand just to enter. And then they play through the late summer or midsummer in, like, July down in Vegas for eight or nine, ten days. And then once they, they just play until they have nine guys left. And then they take a break. And then all nine of those guys come back in November and play the final table over the span of a couple days. And the winner gets like, I don't know, eight or nine million. Something ridiculous. But just imagine seeing Jamie Dowick in the rock hoodie at the final table of the World Series of Poker. I would be there. I would be on his rail. I'm sure a lot of people would be on the rail there. That would be a fun, fun time. Um, but he's got bigger fish to fry, and one of them is finding a head coach. There are just four teams left in the National Lacrosse League playoffs. It all gets going Saturday night when the Calgary Roughnecks will host the Saskatchewan Rush from the Rough House in Calgary. I would expect it to be sold out. Um, there's no real signs pointing to it not. And then two days later, game one of the East Finals on a Monday from the casino in Uncasville between the Bandits and the Black Wolves. It is going to be something to behold these two games this weekend and the following weekend after that. Um, currently, all the games are listed up on NLLTV.com. Um, no word from the league uh, if there will be any coverage on TSN. Um, the reason that they were able to get last week's game is because it was an altitude feed and it was an easy switch to put it on TSN because they didn't have to do anything. They just had to flip the switch. Um, but to get a game on TV from Calgary, um, it won't be as hard because they have things in place for whenever they do hockey and things like that from the Saddle Dome. Um, but as I said, no word officially yet if there will be any live television coverage of the games in Canada, considering there is going to be at least two. Well, there'll be three for sure. Both West Finals and then game one of the finals. So who knows? 
Um, I kind of heard a rumbling that if TSN was going to really cover the, the playoffs, that it would just be the finals. But now that there's two Canadian teams in the West finals, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Thanks to Sean Evans. Thanks to Curtis Dixon. And, of course, as always, thanks to you. You can find me on Twitter at OffTheCrossbar. Email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. There are just four teams left. It is going to be thrilling to the wire. Let me know who you think is going to make it. I still quite haven't made up my mind yet. I got to do a little more pondering in the Scrooge McDuck worry room. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Enjoy the games, everybody, and be excellent to each other. Don't you know?